Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mama Wears Athleisure. I am your host, Mariella de Santiago, a first-time mom. We focus on all things mom with tips to help make life easier and more organized for all you mamas out there. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm here with Amber, and we are going to talk a little bit about where you can even go to learn about maternity leave. Amber, tell us about yourself. Hi, Mariella. Well, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Amber Bissell, and I am a California licensed attorney. I reside in San Francisco, and I own my own firm, Law Offices of Amber Lee Bissell, where I focus on harassment, discrimination, and retaliation claims um, under federal and state law. And I have a specific interest in advocating for women's rights, uh, specifically related to pregnancy discrimination, uh, sexual harassment, gender discrimination, pay equity issues, et cetera. So very happy to be here today and to share my knowledge. When I was pregnant, I obviously reached out to you to pick your brain because I didn't even know where to go and where to begin to learn about maternity leave and what we as parents or as moms, at least, hopefully dads too have. And I know it's different for every state, but where should a mom begin to search about maternity leave benefits within their state? Um, So that's a great question. Uh, And first, I'd like to just give my normal disclaimer, which is everybody has a different case. It's very dependent on the cities, county, state, um, country you live in, your employer, your insurance carrier, your type of job, as you know, is that, you know, if you have a public benefits position or you're a civil servant, you may have different uh, eligibility requirements or uh, opportunities. Everyone, every person has a different situation and you do need to be aware of that. Uh, When you're looking for uh, leave, uh, leave information, there's a couple of places you want to start. First, you want to review your employment offer letter and your employee handbook. Uh, Both of those documents will govern your potential leave options, uh, and sometimes it will merely say that it comports with the state and federal law, uh, at which point um, there are a lot of different online resources that you can look at. For instance, Legal Aid at Work, which is a really um, great organization, has a lot of wonderful information in an easily digestible format for you to review about your eligibility for protected and or paid leave um, wherever you're located. However, I do think the best thing to do when you have these concerns is to contact an attorney uh, in the labor and employment area. Often attorneys will offer a 15-minute consultation um, to go over potentially what your questions are, what concerns you have, and let you know if you even have potential legal claims. Not all attorneys will do that for free, but a lot of them will. And um, it's really great to have that one-on-one attention. I believe Legal Aid at Work also offers that opportunity as well. Well, that's really good to know. So when it comes, like you did mention, everyone has a different situation. And obviously the leave benefits differ from person to person. What are some good ideas that parents can kind of use to to plan for leave, such as like sick time, should they look into disability, private disability insurance before they get pregnant? Like what are some options out there? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that you most definitely want to prepare for a leave early. Um, And that doesn't mean you have to necessarily include your employer in your conversations about taking a leave or how or when you're going to take it. But you and your family should really start discussing that as soon as you find out that you're expecting. I I can talk about family medical leave because that is a federal 
law. Um, so it applies across the states. And uh, one of the things I'd like to spend a little bit of time on is differentiating between protected and paid leave. So protected leave, which is the Family Medical Leave Act, and the California equivalent of that is the California Family Rights Act, provides protected leave as long as you meet the eligibility requirements. Um, For FMLA, it means that you're employed um, at a larger company, so 50 plus employees, um, that uh, you've worked full time for the prior year. There's a few other requirements. Protected leave means that your employer cannot terminate you on the basis of taking a leave for pregnancy um, or to take care of either yourself or a family member. Family medical leave is across the board. It's not just pregnancy related. And it means that your employer cannot discriminate against you on the basis of taking a leave. And that is 12 weeks of protected leave. For many women, they may take leave before the pregnancy for health-related issues, or, you know, they may take intermittent leave over the course of the baby's first year, depending on on what's happening. Um, And that can be eligible for FMLA leave. Protected does not mean paid. Paid leave is a huge issue in the United States. Uh, We have a very poor... um, We have very poor opportunities or benefits for expecting parents in terms of paid leave, which is why you need to look at your employment uh, contract to see if your employer offers either full or subsidized paid leave following the birth of your child. Sometimes they'll also kick in um, in the month before you give birth. That's how you get paid through your employer for a pregnancy leave. Sometimes your employer will pay the full thing. Sometimes it will top up your state disability payments that you may receive. So state disability may cover 65% of your pay, and then your employer's policy will top you up to 100% of your pay. Uh, Each employer's, again, policy is different where it may last um, at 100% for a month and then cut down to just regular state disability after that, but every policy is different. Sorry, that was a lot of information. Um, But it's really important to note because I get a lot of calls where people say, oh, well, I took FMLA leave. Don't I get paid? There's no guarantee of that. It is um, either state disability through you apply through the state and your doctor certifies that leave, or it is through an employer's disability plan where they either subsidize the full cost of your leave or top up state disability The other opportunity is potentially a paid time off. If you've accrued paid time off or you have unlimited paid paid time off, then your employer may pay you for some or a portion of the pregnancy leave. In some cases, you may not have the opportunity to have a paid leave following this disability period. So in California, generally, depending on the type of uh, birth, if you have a a vaginal birth or a cesarean, uh, you may get either six or eight weeks off. Uh, if you have twins, you get eight weeks off. And that's what disability pay lasts for. After that, then two months off isn't very much time at all. After that, your doctor either has to uh, continue certification for state disability, or you, if you want to take extended leave, um, you would have to find another income source. So if you want to take an extended leave, essentially, because it's not something that's found as a something that you absolutely need, then it wouldn't be paid. Yeah, it's hard for me to say absolutely need because um, it really depends on your doctor and your relationship with your doctor and how you're able um, to work through um, the opportunity for additional disability leave. I think that our country is very slow to understand what having a baby means to a, a individual who's carrying a child and giving birth to a child and 
what that looks like. I have found that in the last few years, doctors are more inclined, depending on the doctor, to extend disability leave for more than six or eight weeks for either more physical healing or for addressing a mom's um, mental health. And that isn't to say that you have you have to have postpartum depression or something like that to extend a leave, but you should be able to communicate to your doctor if you feel that you're not able to return to work um, because of a physical or mental health concern. You know, I, I just want to be clear that as a mom, if you have the, or a parent, if you have the capacity, if you have the ability to take FMLA leave those 12 weeks, then please talk to your doctor about potentially extending your disability leave so you can take advantage of state disability pay or disability pay through your employer. Okay. And not everyone pays into that. I know I, I ran into that situation. So yeah. make sure that you do check to see if you qualify and pay into that. And again, that would be talking to the HR. Right. Yeah. So for instance, as we talked about, like public employees have different types of leave benefits that are outside of regular privately employed employees. That's why it's better to do your research pretty early um, to ensure that you know exactly what you're eligible for. The other thing is that very often HR departments may not be fully equipped to handle information related to maternity leave. They may, you know, bounce you to um, a third party insurance carrier. It can be very confusing and frustrating. Try to exercise some patience and again, start that process early so you know exactly what you're eligible for um, and you don't have to stress about it, you know, the day before you give birth. The other thing that I would highly recommend is if you are job searching and you're accepting a position that you are very clear on what your PTO or parental leave policy is. One of the things you also want to check is your health insurance coverage and how that may be impacted if you um, take an extended leave for either FMLA or baby bonding, you know, that can be six months of the year. And some um, companies have uh, policies related to you start have you have to start paying the health insurance premiums if you take more than four months off. Or if you decide to separate from the company at the end of your maternity leave, you may have to pay them back their health insurance premiums. And these are all things that are kind of folded into your employment agreements um, that you may not know. And you don't want to have that sticker shock when you've made that decision to separate or to take an extended leave. So just so really, other- comb, really comb through your contract or your agreement before making any of these decisions, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, one of, so I'll just a quick synopsis of things you should look for is one, what is the company's uh, parental leave policy? How long is it? Is it paid? If they have a third party insurance carrier for disability, what are the eligibility requirements? How long is that paid disability for? Three, look at your health insurance policy, you know, in terms of, If you take an extended leave, do you have to pay back premiums? If you separate after your maternity leave, do you have to pay back premiums? Will your health insurance coverage cover your dependent? You want to make sure on all of those counts that you have that information before the baby arrives. So one thing that I wanted to ask was a lot of moms find out fairly early on or or usually within that first trimester that they're expecting Uh, You typically don't want to share the news within that first trimester because you just want to feel a little bit more secure and and sure that things are going in the right direction. With that, when would be a good time or to notify an employer that, you know, you have to start planning for 
a leave. So that's a great question. I'm actually going to start with uh, one question, which is what if I'm pregnant and applying for jobs? Do I have a duty to disclose? No, you do not have a duty to disclose your pregnancy status or your disability status at the time that you apply for a position or accept a position. You only need to disclose when you realize that you need an accommodation. So when you find out you're pregnant, you know, you may have a very uneventful pregnancy where, you know, first trimester, you're totally fine, no morning sickness, you know, second trimester, you make your ultrasound appointments for Friday during lunch, you don't need any time off. And so it's really, you know, you could potentially work up until your due date for some women. The the general rule of thumb is you just have to give reasonable notice to your employer regarding a need for an accommodation or a leave. And this is, this is a very personal choice. Now, um, I would say that you giving your employer a month's notice before commencing your leave would be considered reasonable. That gives them time to, you know, understand what projects you have pending, you know, where they may need extra assistance and kind of plan for your leave. Um, however, if you're close to your coworkers and you start showing, you may want to disclose earlier at the time that you start showing just to, you know, keep everyone in the in the loop and feel comfortable in the workplace. But there is no requirement that you have to tell them as soon as you find out, you know, or even immediately after the first trimester. Um, it's really, you know, anytime after that, that and you can use your best judgment in terms of giving your employer reasonable notice. Now, what does notice mean? So many people just verbally disclose to their manager, maybe verbally disclose to HR, or they'll verbally disclose to their manager and then check in with HR later in the game. I highly recommend that you, even the same day, let your manager know and let HR know in writing that you are expecting and to ask for information related to your maternity leave at that time. Um, the reason that I say to do this is that it protects you and gives you more time to prepare for an impending leave. And when I say protect, it puts the employer on notice that you may be eligible for a protected leave um, and it keeps a paper trail and just holds the company accountable. I, I'd like to think that most companies uh, that we work for are look out for their employees and want to take care of their employees. And I, I really, truly hope that's the case in any one of your, your listeners' lives. But in the case that you work for one of those employers that are less inclined um, to be protective, um, you do want to make sure you have as much of this in writing. The other thing is that very often when you're speaking verbally to your manager HR, they may make representations or promises or misstatements even about what you're eligible for, or what your leave will look like, or how things will change. And it can be very confusing if you have a lot of these verbal conversations and things aren't documented in writing. It's much better to have as much of this in writing so that you can refer back to it later. Or if you need to talk to an attorney, you can show them what you have. And that clears up a lot of confusion that may result in, in this transition time that you have. Now that many of us work remotely. And sometimes a lot of the companies are based in a different state from where you are located. In those kind of situations, do you follow the leave that is under the state that the company is located in? For example, we're in California, but let's say I work for a company that's based out of Wyoming. Would my leave benefits be under whatever the state of California allows? Yeah, for? So, so we'll, we have to parse that out a little bit, right? Because one thing is what law governs your situation. And generally speaking, when it's employment law, the law that governs your situation is the state that you reside in. So even if you work remotely for a Wyoming company, but you reside in California, employment law in California governs your situation, which means 
you would have access to the California Family Rights Act or California Baby Bonding Leave. That's one thing. Now, when we talk about an employment contract with benefits that are greater than than what the law requires, so for instance, you get paid leave for six months, generally speaking, California law will still have a huge impact on how that contract is enforced or read. It, it can differ slightly. The contract law can differ slightly from state to state. Is But to answer your question, if you live in California, then you avail yourself of the California Family Rights Act, um, assuming that you meet the eligibility requirements for that particular act, for instance, being employed for a year, right? The other thing is like cities, uh, for instance, for San Francisco, they have more robust paid sick leave policies than the state of California. They have additional pregnancy protection laws within the city that may not exist in San Diego. That's another thing that you want to look into to ensure that you are taking advantage of the different laws and regulations that may apply to you based on your residence. Okay. So what I've gathered so far is one, start with your handbook or your contract to look for any sort of leap benefits, then look to see what the federal law covers and then what your state and then your city. Yeah. And then also check your um, third-party benefits company. So your employer offers um, a disability insurance, what that disability insurance says about leave, and also what your health insurance coverage says about leave and says about dependents. And if your company doesn't have a disability insurance, can you as an individual look to get some prior to becoming pregnant in case that's something that you want to plan for? Yeah, you know, you are, and it depends on the disability insurance carrier, but often you can purchase private disability plans. Just be um, aware that they can be pricey. I I don't want you to get sticker shock when you're looking at those (laughs) plans. In terms of employees, it's very easy to pay into state disability because it's just taken out of your paycheck. If you're self-employed or you own your own business or you're an independent contractor or a freelancer, this is so important if you are planning on having children to start very early in terms of looking at disability plans, thinking of saving for a disability leave, you know, structuring your work to allow you to take time off. I would say that it being um, an entrepreneur myself, this is something I've given a lot of thought to in terms of if I'm lucky enough to have a baby one day as a self-employed individual, you have to start that planning very, very early. Thank you. Thanks for all that info. Do you have any anything else that you'd like to share with us or that you think is really important to make sure that we know? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, for anyone expecting a baby, you want your focus and your enthusiasm and your energy to go toward preparing for this little bundle of joy, right? That's why I really urge parents to look into this process as early as possible, because you don't want to be, you know, in the hospital bed trying to figure out if you're going to have continued health insurance coverage or how, you know, to plan financially for the next few months. Uh, You want to have as much information as early as possible to ensure that when the baby does come, you're, you're able to put your energy and focus there. So my, my slogan for today's call is be prepared. I like that. Yeah. You definitely have to kind of think of all of that. There's so much that goes into having a baby and then taking care of a baby that if there's anything that you could take care of before having that baby, do it because your time is just so consumed with trying to keep this little guy alive or little girl, and uh, hopefully getting some sleep. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You don't want to be on the phone with insurance carriers or EDD or HR trying to figure out what's happening. So I really suggest that you start the process early, talk to an attorney. And, and I do want, and I should have said at the beginning that I know that attorneys get a bad rap sometimes as being you know, expensive or difficult to talk to or what have you, but most labor and employment attorneys are friendly like I am. And it's worth a chat just to make sure that you understand what your rights are and that you're proceeding in a way that protects you and your family. And so talk to an attorney, talk to a couple of them, you know, reach out to them on Yelp, Google someone, just to make sure that you have all the information that you need. It's super, super important. And again, Legal Aid at Work is a really, really great resource for that as well. Again, when I became pregnant, I went to you and asked you like, where do I even begin to learn about this stuff? So that was just helpful for you to tell me, look at your contract and then you'll be able to go from there, contact your HR, those type of things. And there's just so many departments depending on what company, how big or small your company is that it can be overwhelming. So it's good to just have like a one-stop place to know, like, where do I look first? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so just take it one day at a time, one, just, you don't have to do all of this in one day. You know, the first day, just gather those documents, you know, a couple of days later, go ahead and look at what those policies say, maybe set some time aside to make some phone calls, keep as much as you, as you can in writing. Um, and, you know, if all else fails, call, call one of us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amber. I really appreciate you taking time out of your super, super busy schedule because I know you're super busy. I try to reach you all the time just to catch up. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm lucky. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, we'll do a proper catch up soon. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for our next episode. You can find us on Instagram for more updates and tips. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review if you like us.